Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk football with Derek Taylor, the voice of the Bombers. Jamie Nye covers the Riders for the Green Zone in Regina. Talk all about the game. Garrett Marino, lots more on the podcast. The Banjo Bowl coming up on Saturday. Derek Taylor, the voice of the Bombers, calls the game at 4 o'clock with the play-by-play. Pre-game show starting at 2 Derek, let's just start with how fun was Sunday for you? Oh, it was it was crazy. Like that first the first half of oh my goodness, look at this Saskatchewan offense just walking the ball up and down the field against the the Bombers, and then you know you just knew it was the response was coming, and then all of a sudden here's Nick Dembski breaking free for the big touchdown, and another Zach Caleros to Dalton Schoen scramble touchdown, and then t- tied at halftime, tightly played in the third and fourth. And then, uh, yeah, the, I think the, the best one, you know, this far away from the playoffs, but this far away from the, from the start of the regular season, finally getting the, here's Mark Leggio, here's a stressful situation, probably second, you know, the, the most stressful one you probably have in the regular season. And, uh, he nails a 55 yarder to, uh, provide the winning points. It, it had a little bit of everything. So yeah, I can't wait for round two. Listening to the call of the game. You sounded absolutely flabbergasted that they would even try the 55-yard attempt. Looking back on it now, obviously, he made the kick, so it was a good call. But in that moment, why were you so surprised? Well, his career long is 50. His career long make is 50, right? That was his first ever kick in the Canadian Football League. It was 48 for this season. And he's previously tried a 56-yarder, but as the play-by-play says, it came up eight yards short. So he went, okay, well, uh, there's there's that. And, you know, guys have limits to their leg. Um, and, and then there was, you know, it, it hasn't been the best season for, for Mark. But you go, okay, well, this is how much uh, O'Shea trusts him down one point. With you know not a lot of possessions left, here he comes from fifty-five yards out, which was uh, I was I was surprised that O'Shea went for it because let's be fair, like we don't know what what they know, right? Watching him every day in practice and talking to him before the game with the wind conditions, but yeah, I mean this was this was the stressful situation, the high leverage situation that we'd been been looking for, and and we just we don't didn't have near enough evidence to go. I think he might do blank. So it was just, you know, it was it was a roller coaster. We're just we're just laying back and letting the ride take over. So you talked to Mark Leggio about the punt block avoidance. I I don't know what the correct term is is to to call the play he made. Seventeen seven riders at that point were more than halfway through the second quarter. I said on my show yesterday that was the turning point in the game because if that doesn't happen, it could be twenty four to seven. Instead, the field flips. The Riders have a couple of quick penalties. All of a sudden, the Bombers get the ball deep in Rider territory. Two plays later, they're in the end zone. Just how important <laughs> was that play? And how uncommon is it to see a punter look so chill? I just played your interview with them in, uh, just about 15 minutes ago. But how uncommon is it to see a, a punter that relaxed in such a high chaos situation? 
Well, that relaxed and, and then that much dexterity, right? Like the old day, we may still be caught in the one coach O'Shea brought up was, was Bob Cameron. You know, you think back in the day, Bob punted forever, but now like you look around the league and you go, okay, yeah, no, these guys are actually, these guys are, are athletes. Like some of them are, you know, six, two and 250 pounds. Legio is smaller, but Legio is, Legio is built. When you see him up close, you go, this guy takes it seriously and you watch. How quickly that all happens and he, he gets a, just a flash of a green player coming after him, steps around him, want, you know, he whips by, takes one more step and then kicks the ball away. And you go, that's, as Legio said, he, he gave credit to his background in rugby. You go, yeah, okay, I, I get it. It's, it's just the, everything that has to happen in a half a second of, Oh, I got to know to get out of the way. I got to know where to go. And I got to know that I can get this ball off or, you know, perhaps even assess, can I run for a first down at this spot? Because two or even three guys busted through. It's just, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it just how, it's basically just how much has to happen in such a short period of time. You then try to put yourself into that situation, which is, is unfair because these guys are pro athletes, but you do it. And you're like, I don't know that I, I could have pulled that one off. I'd like to think to, I, but it was, I, it was just, it, it just so quick and so fast. And you realize that, oh yeah, these guys are, these guys are special. So looking ahead to Sunday or Saturday's game, the Banjo Bowl has been dominated by Winnipeg over the years. They've been winning in Saskatchewan now and, and sweeping lately the, the head to head home and home. What did Saskatchewan do well in that game Sunday that, if you're the Bombers, would give you some pause heading into Saturday's rematch? Well, the, one of the things, it was Fajardo was able to to break away, right? The, the Bombers would get pressure, and they ultimately got three sacks in this game. But there probably should have been at least three more because he would slip away Fajardo Wood from Willie Jefferson. He slips away from Jackson Jeffcoat to keep plays alive. I mean, they, if they're, that was, that was one of the big ones. And uh, Fajardo, you know, ultimately the pressure gets to him. I think in that final pass that he throws to Frankie Hickson, that's off target and ends in Nick Hallett's hands. But, uh, that was, that was one of the things they were able to get balls o- open deep down the field as well. The one, uh, going left to right, Mitchell Pickton gets open on the near sideline is, is a bust and that's going to happen, you know, a couple times a year, but they got Shaq Evans open deep down the field and he went, Oh, okay. Shaq's, Shaq's a real weapon. They weren't able to unlock, say, Kyron Moore or he and Schaefer Baker as much, but they, they were able to move the ball. And in the beginning, you know, the first six carries from Frankie Hickson went for 51 yards and you go, Oh, okay. Well, well, this Saskatchewan team with all its, the troubles it's had, it was able to, to get the ball going in that first little bit against the, against the Bombers. So you, you wonder what they might be able to, uh, conjure up for, for game number two. And if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, do you feel like you got away with one on Sunday or is it just, it's the Riders? Who cares? We got the win. I think you feel like more so than maybe like that first Calgary game where Kamar Jordan drops the game tying touchdown in the end zone. You maybe may feel like this one was a little more little. That one may feel like you got away with one. This one I think feels like you know what we we chose to be down one point with under eight minutes to go by allowing a single point, and we went back and took it. And we you know it was a fifty five yard field goal. We took it. We held them off the board. We bent quite a bit at the end there. 
But ultimately, we made the play, got the interception, and then for another, I mean, for a second straight game, we're able to grind out the last two minutes of the clock, essentially, and pretty much not give the other team a chance to respond. So I feel like this was one in such a hostile atmosphere. I, I feel like this one is more of a of a take it than uh, one that you know perhaps they almost let slip away. On the note of the atmosphere, Banjo Bowl on Saturday. You've called a couple for the other guys. Now calling one for Winnipeg. The, the crowds have been real fun at IG Field this year. How excited are you to call the game, and how does that affect you as a person calling the action when there's that much noise? <laughs> it's it's straight. You have to get used to not hearing yourself because at the beginning of that game last week, I just I couldn't really hear my own voice. You're like, well, okay, it's still the first quarter. I can't can't overdo it. Because there's so much more to come, and as we saw, that what was to come was fantastic. You just you just can't overdo it. You can't you you you're with the crowd, but you can't get overwhelmed or too far caught up in it until it gets really good. Because uh, honest to goodness, like I've called games in every stadium. I've called home and away, you know, in Saskatchewan and and Winnipeg both. And it's Winnipeg's the loudest stadium in the league. And and for the broadcast position, it's. It's not particularly close. The 2019 Banjo Bowl, when Chris Strebler had them just marching these 100-yard drives on the riders, like, this crowd is killing it. And then they would just suffocate the, the opposing offense. It's, you really have to, uh, you really have to fight and just, just be comfortable with the fact that I think the words coming out of my mouth are correct, but I can't hear them. So uh, I'm just going to have to trust myself. They sounded good on the call, uh, hearing it from home. I'm curious to get your thoughts, because the NFL season starts in just under 24 hours. You're a, you're a big gambling guy. Are you big into the NFL picks? Uh, a little bit. I haven't, I haven't been, not nearly the same as the CFL, but, but a little bit. I'm very curious to see which AFC team is going to win the title this year. So you think it would be bad if I put money on my Vikings to win it all? Like the money on fire? What it depends on what they're going off at because I mean the the NFC doesn't have I mean if they were an AFC team there's there's no chance right there's just so many quality teams that four in the West might get into the playoffs and you go this is this is what we'd have to fight through and and the top players in the league the top quarterbacks all seem to be in the AFC the NFC I mean what do you believe about what do you believe about Philadelphia under Jalen Hurts did they reach their max last season what about Dallas can they can they repeat what was a pretty good season for them San Francisco brand new quarterback and I I mean they gave up three first to go get him but is San Francisco a threat or does that that regress so honestly I'm I'm I wouldn't hate money on the Vikings at the right price I I wouldn't hate money uh, on the Vikings because uh Kirk Cousins can play pretty pretty well, and oh, by the way, they have Justin Jefferson, and and most teams don't. Well, and a coach now that actually cares about offense, so I might. I've never actually placed a bet on sports before. I might just sprinkle a tiny bit of dollars on the Vikings because if they actually finally have a great season, I'd like to be rewarded for it before they rip my heart out in the playoffs. Inevitably, uh, I'll get you out of here on this, Derek. Uh, I obviously you're you're quote unquote neutral calling CFL games with a bent towards the Bombers. Do you have an NFL team that you cheer for? 
I, I always found I ended up gravitating towards certain players. So, you know, now I may end up uh, being like, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase are probably two guys that I really kind of root for. So if anybody's going to win the AFC Central or that or AFC North, they call it now, that that would probably be the guys I follow. But, yeah, years ago I just ended up following players. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else might be my guys currently in the NFL. Those are probably my two big ones. Uh, oh, Mahomes is is fantastic. That one I'm super curious about, right? Because it's it's no longer Tyreek Hill. I think maybe maybe this year where one of their second round picks, Sky Moore, becomes my guy. Maybe he's my next on my list of my guys. It's going to be interesting to follow. Of course, Skylar Peters and I will be doing our uh, our weekly picks Fridays on the CGOB Sports Show. Derek, appreciate your time as always. We'll see you at the game on Saturday. Thanks, brother. Let us rejoin the conversation about football now as we welcome in Jamie Nye, host of The Green Zone on CJME. Jamie, it's been a while since I had you on the show. Welcome back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's just start with uh, the feeling in Regina today after Garrett Marino was released last night. I guess it's been about 26 hours since that news release came out that he was gone surprising that he got released or is it was everyone expecting this well uh, after the way craig dickinson has been dealing with discipline issues with the rough riders i can say it was surprising because he seemed like he was gonna let the guys kind of get it together and play it out on the field and he's given a lot of second third fourth chances not only to garrett marino but a few other players in his tenure so it was there's that late hit on zach caleros but the way things have gone, we kind of went, okay, in comparison to what Garrett Marino has, we weren't expecting that news. But as Craig Dickinson explained to the media today, it was, you know, kind of one of those moments where you go, okay, enough's enough. We, we can't deal with this because uh, he, you can't get put a player on the field who might cost you a 15-yard roughing penalty whenever he steps on the field, especially in a close game and tight games and a big important games coming down the stretch with Winnipeg and Calgary ahead on the schedule. Has anyone been able to figure out why the Rough Riders keep taking all these penalties? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's a bunch of theories, and one of those theories is just what I said, is Craig Dickinson, he talks about the penalties. He loves up his players and says, hey, I'll give you another chance and don't do it again. And I, I, I compare this to my own parenting, really. And I've talked to a lot of coaches in, in my career as a, a broadcaster and covering football and hockey and everything else. And uh, all of them say the best discipline comes from self-discipline. But what do you do when a player can't self-discipline? Well, it's taking stuff away from them. And even as a parent, you, you don't really get results for young kids until you take stuff away from them. I had one coach tell me a story of his, his wife taught him that lesson. And he was a hockey coach who, well, you know, he's yelling at his kids, yelling at his kids, stop doing this. Why do you keep doing this? And his wife said, have you, t- have they lost anything? And he kind of went, well, no, she said, take the Xbox away. So he did. And he said, I couldn't believe the, ch- <laughs> the immediate change. And he related that to ice time. He was a hockey coach and he could take something away from them, which was ice time. And Craig Dickinson can start taking things away from players, and that being playing time. And while in Garrett Marino's case, now he took away maybe his livelihood, as the CFL memo said, 
nobody can re-sign him. And I'll be interested to see if Craig Dickinson goes uh, with that same direction going forward, that players will be sat now for undisciplined and selfish play. Duke Williams, obviously out of the lineup as he gets the 15-yard penalty in straight close for taunting an opponent. I know that Craig Dickinson has, has since said that undressed players are now not going to be on the sideline anymore. Beyond that, is there any discipline for Duke Williams? Because that's just such a stupid thing to do. Well, yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous to run up to 10 yards or whatever it was to get in the face of a Winnipeg Blue Bomber and take a push. Went from the 43 to the 53, went from second and three to second and 13. That was a, and a crucial time in a tie game. And uh, Craig Dickinson said there'll be internal discipline. What that is, we don't know. It's hard to tell if you're going to bench a guy or not when he's injured. So, did they actually bench him or was he actually injured for this next game? Cause it's not sure if uh, Duke Williams will be ready for the banjo bowl. So well, we'll never find out really what that internal discipline is, but uh, something's got to give because uh, Duke Williams, there was the helmet toss earlier in the season. He's been, uh, you know, he's been accused of eye gouging. He's been accused of spitting on players. None of that has come out as being, 100% truthful that they could find evidence that those things happen, but it's uh, hard to, it's harder to deny when there are other instances that say that, yeah, you can just lose it. And that's what Duke Williams did. He lost it. And uh, I, I doubt he'll pay for it in playing time, but uh, he should because he hasn't really been the 200 and whatever thousand dollar man he was paid to be this offseason when they re-signed him. Looking at the way the game ended on Sunday with that interception by Cody Fajardo in field goal range, is there a feeling that the Riders blew it and should have won that game? Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely, because they had the, the game in their hands. They're at the 26-yard line. It was first and 10 at the 26-yard line. And a lot of my postgame callers are like, why are you passing in that situation? Run the ball, make them burn a timeout kill some time and kick a field goal and give them limited time with uh, Mark Leggio, even though Mark Leggio just kicked a 55-yarder with the wind at his back. But um, but another side of that is the, the strategic error right off the start of the game. It was uh, it was a windy day. Uh, it, like it, it was kind of weird in that way the stadium's kind of dug down that you don't really feel it, but you can tell when the ball's in the air that it was a windy day. And the Riders took the ball. They won the toss, took the ball, and that means the Bombers were able to get the win. And, man, did that pay off with that 55-yard field goal from Mark Leggio. So there are a few strategic errors all coming to a head in that fourth quarter. They didn't have the win, and then they decided to throw on first and 10 at the 26 with only two minutes left on the clock. But a couple things. One, they did score with the ball right off the start of the game, and they had themselves a, a sizable lead that they, they let get away. And then on the note of Fajardo there, that's just a, a – I know you could take fault in the play call. Your quarterback has to make a check down pass like that, does he not? Uh, yeah, I don't know how much Willie Jefferson got on the arm or anything that caused it, but, man, he that was a, that was a hot pass and behind and – uh, not accurate to Frankie Hickson on what could have just been a little tiny soft dump pass, and he threw a fastball uh, into that, which was tipped in the air, of course, and picked off by Hallett. So 
Uh, Cody Fajardo, he wasn't the main target of the criticism after that one. There was a lot more on Jason Moss, Craig Dickinson, and Duke Williams on that game to share the load. But uh, the Riders, if they're going to climb back into the race for maybe second uh, or third in the West Division, they need better play from Cody Fajardo. How impressed have you been with the play of Frankie Hickson through two games? Oh, uh, he, he's been somebody that uh, our our Green Zone rider reporter, Britton Gray, and myself, we have this CFL Fantasy League, and we both take Frankie Hickson and have been for a while because he's cheap. And, and we see the burst. We've seen it since training camp on how he hits the line and how hard he can hit a player on the opposing team while he's running and run past you as well and catch the ball. So he appears to be the complete package. And it'll be interesting when Jamal Morrow, if Jamal Morrow comes back from injury, how they utilize uh, two pretty good running backs because uh, Jamal Morrow was among the league leaders before he got hurt as well. But it looks like they have a special one in Frankie Hickson. So what chance, looking ahead to the Banjo Bowl, do you give the Riders of winning on Saturday? Ooh, uh, 10% uh, chance for the Riders to win because it's, Football, and it's random, and anything can happen. Uh, You've seen the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lose to a worse team than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year. Because the one thing the Riders do when you saw it, Winnipeg was only to score 20 points. They do have a championship-caliber defense. That Riders defense is good. Um, They have an all-star linebacking core. They have guys who can get after the ball on the defensive line, and their defensive backs – are under I think underappreciated so they have the defense to win it's all a matter of if Cody Fajardo finds a rhythm as he did in that first part of the game you saw it I thought they had it in the bag but they gave it up so I could see them winning but with that crowd and they took two time count violations at home last week I can only imagine the confusion for the offensive line this week at IG Field. I'll end on a non-sports note how does it feel to, to live in Saskatchewan today with Miles Sanderson being taken into custody? Well, I've been, I, I, I actually flipped my sports show to a breaking news show and was hosting it. And uh, it has been uh, an uneasy four days as they tried to find this man who caused the death or is accused of causing the death of, uh, 11, 10 to 11 people uh, on that rampage from earlier in the week. And it's been a crazy turn of events over even the last hour that now that Miles Sanderson, that the man they were hunting for in Saskatchewan may actually have died this afternoon while in custody. So uh, that story continues to develop. So it's, it is, I, I know there's a lot of relief on James Smith Cree nation uh, that maybe now they can have the grieving process begin because they have been completely on edge with more alerts that they were searching yesterday uh, for Miles Sanderson. Well, I appreciate your time tonight, Jamie. Thank you very much for this. And, well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. 10%, that's the number you gave, so we'll see what the riders can do. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Have a good night. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again.
so long, and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Place. 